Welcome to the New Day Church Message of the Week. It is our hope and prayer that you encounter the one who created you through hearing this message today. To contact us or find out more information about our events and who we are, go to newday-church.org. Thank you for listening. Mm, it's good. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. Did you know that the Lord is good? I, I think there's some of you in the room that need to know that the Lord is good. I see your faces, you may not know that the Lord is good. Have you ever had that moment where you're like, oh, how are you today? I'm fine. Oh, I don't think your face got the memo. There's some of you in this room that need to know that the Lord is good. Even when things are chaotic, even when it seems like the enemy's winning, even when it seems like God's not doing anything, the Lord is good. Say it with me. The Lord is good. Turn to your neighbor. The Lord is turn to your other neighbor. The Lord is good. That's who he is. That's who he is. But sometimes we forget, don't we? Sometimes we get into a situation, maybe it's a battle, maybe there's something going on, and then all of a sudden it's like we forgot that the Lord is good. What am I gonna do now? Oh, I got, oh my, I just got, I got worry. I got anxiety. The Lord is good. We're overwhelmed with all of these things. There's so many voices that are trying to, to take our attention right now, aren't there? It seems like it's just, it's maxed to the most. The things that are trying to get our attention, things that are trying to distract us, Things that are trying to pull us in different directions and we forget that the Lord is good. And because the Lord is good and because the Lord is our Father, and Scripture says He's a good Father, what does a good Father do? He takes care of His children. What does a good Father do? He provides. He protects. He watches over. He shelters. He becomes a hiding place when you're overwhelmed. He becomes like a mountaintop when you're so filled with joy. He becomes a tunnel when it seems like there's no way. The Lord is good. He was putting on my heart, so I'm going to step out of my comfort zone. So I like to have slides. And I like to have points, and I like to have it all. But he's like, nope, Christopher, I don't want you to do that today. And because it's daylight savings, I get an extra hour. So <laughs> you're the only one that laughed at that. Sydney was like, oh, don't you dare, Pastor. <laughs> uh, let me ask you this question. What is New Day Church to you? If you were the pastor, the lead pastor of this church, what would you say the core values of New Day Church are? If you had to summarize that, what would you say? It's a, it's a question to chew on, isn't it? What are the core values of this church family? And I would say this, there's four of them. There's four of them. Uh, the, 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 the main 
core value that we have here that flows into everything else that we do. And that's the presence of the Lord. We value the presence of the Lord more than anything else. That's the most important thing. Uh, it's everything that we do it should overflow from that place of the presence of the Lord. So that's one of them, the presence of the Lord. Another is honor. A core value here is honor. So even when we mess up, does anybody here ever mess up? Huh. Oh good, I'm in the right room. Uh, does anyone here ever do something where like, I meant to do this and then this is what I ended up doing? Yeah. We don't shame in those situations. We'll speak into it because that's what family does. Family's a beautiful mess. But we honor so when people come here, one of the powerful, I just had heard from Colleen one thing that she loved about coming to New Day when she first started coming. I don't know if she still likes this, but when she first started coming, she felt so loved and valued here. She didn't feel judged. She didn't feel any shame. She felt honored. She felt honored. Honor is something that's so key. I believe it's one of the things that's closest to our Father's heart is that we live a lifestyle of honor that we would honor others ahead of ourselves. And not to partner with this false sense of humility. We in uh, the Midwest, we have this false sense of humility that's not, it's not actually walking in piety, it's walking in a place where we're actually devaluing ourselves, where we're actually, uh, we're, hmm, uh, how do I say this? We're, we're trying to beat ourselves up by uh, the shame, the guilt, the, all of the things that happened in the past. And we need to let that go and just join him in walking in humility. But so honor is one of them. Presence, honor, another is family. We champion family here. And it's not that we do family perfect. I think in the definition of family, family's never going to be perfect. You get more than one person in a room uh, and it's not going to be perfect. But family's good. So when challenges happen, when things, uh, it's easy when it's a business deal, it's easy to leave the business deal, isn't it? Uh, or if you don't like the way that the business is going, you just, well, thank you. I put in my two weeks notice and I'm going. That's not what family is. That's not how we, that's not how we do things. Family is rolling up our sleeves and saying, well, I love you and you love me. We may not get along in this moment, but we're going to find a way to do it. We stick together. Praise God, he's not the leaving kind, and he's teaching us <laughs> the same thing. So we have presence, we have honor, we have family, and then we also have empowerment by the Holy Spirit. Because we truly believe that he wants to empower us to do, just as Scripture says, that we're going to do the same things Jesus did, and even greater. Those, that verse, this is the day to activate that verse. Like that's the beauty of having these people up here sharing like a, a bunch of them. Like I know Jean, Jean, you are so amazing and she's so good at, at building up others. She's so good at being in the back, but Jean, this is what you were born to do, right? How many of you were touched by when Jean had shared? That's what Jean was born to do. Uh, it's so good. The, uh, there's something about the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Do you remember 
Do you remember those stories? When he came alongside, when you thought there's no way this could happen, who are you going to send? And he says, you're the one. <laughs> you're the one. I've chosen you. I pick you. Well, I don't think I could do that. You're right. You can't. Without me, you can't do it. But with me, you can. With me, you can do all things. Empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I love the Holy Spirit. Even the name Holy Spirit, it means like uh, ruach, like you had, you had shared that, ruach, that breath or breeze. You think about that. We don't see uh, the air in our lungs, but we sure do know that we're breathing. And we know when we stop breathing. Well, others will know. Uh, we don't see the wind. We don't see the breeze, but we see the impact of it. We don't see the the oxygen in our lungs, but we sure do feel the impact of it. And that's the Holy Spirit. We don't always get to see him, but we sure do experience the impact of him. And he wants to empower us. And he's not doing it for just a few people, not just the loudmouths that stand up front in church. He does it, he wants to empower all of you, all of us. So turn to your neighbor and say, that's you. And turn to that one person that doesn't say anything, Mike. That's you. You guys, you're getting picked on today, Mike. Ooh, that's fun. All right, Mike's going to preach next week, guys. It's going to be good. Here we go. Whoa! Pack the house, Mike. So we've got the presence of the Lord. We have honor. We have uh, family. And we have empowerment. Those are the core values. I wanted to really dive into presence today. His presence. Do you know what? So I love Hebrews 11.6. This is something that Cheslin and I have been chomping on all week. Hebrews 11.6. If you have your Bible, you want to go ahead and turn to that. If you're able to put it up on the screen, I'm reading in the NIV today. Hebrews 11.6. It's talking about faith, yes, but it's also talking about his heart towards us and our heart towards him. Like even this morning, so there's a group of people that get together here at 8 o'clock in the morning and pray. We just seek after the Lord's heart. We're not coming in with an agenda. No, we're actually, Lord, what do you want to do? How do you want to meet with us? Everyone's welcome to come and join us. We pray with the worship team before they even start. And we just invite the Lord. What is it that you have for us today? And that's, we were seeing this game of holy hide and seek during worship. That we would play a holy game that as we seek him, so in what, almost everyone here knows Jeremiah 29, 11, right? Uh, that the Lord has plans for us, to, to prosper us, to give us a future and hope. I love 12, 13, 14. It says that when we seek him, the Lord says this about us. When we seek him with all of our hearts, he says, I will be found by you. When you seek me with all of my heart, I will bring you up out of captivity, if there's anything that, if you feel like you're being held captive by something, here's my question for you. Are you seeking him? Because if you're in captivity, he showed you the way to get out, to seek him with all of your heart. And he says, I will bring you up out of captivity. So here, here's Hebrews 11.6. Let's read this together. It's on the screen. But without faith, it is impossible to please and be satisfactory to him. For whoever would come near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that he is the da, 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 da.
Well, and Sarah, this is your fault because this is actually the Amplified. This is from last week, Sarah, you and your Amplified. I can't read it in my, oh, here, no. Uh, and without faith, there we go, this is the NIV. Let's read it again. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So what do we do it with? It's with faith. As followers of Jesus, everything that we do is by faith. We can have all of the evidence. When I was the prodigal, when I was so fixed on being an atheist, I was overwhelmed by all of the evidence that pointed to Jesus. And there's a lot of evidence. I, I love archaeology. I was overwhelmed by all the archaeological digs that were actually set out to prove that the Bible was incorrect, that proved that the Bible was right. I was overwhelmed by all of the evidence that said that what had happened was true, but it still has to be that step of faith. So it's all by faith. It's all by faith. And it's, it's not, in this situation, it's not meant to be someone else's faith for you. It's your faith in him. Will you step into it by faith? Like even coming to church, we do it by faith. We believe that there's this God that wants to meet with us. And our worship is nice. The people here are amazing. Like all of you are great. The Folgers is Folgers. I mean, some of you like Folgers. I'm not going to step on your toes. Um, I've been praying that God would, would bless that, that Folgers. And he does. Praise the Lord. Uh, our desire to do what we do on Sunday mornings isn't to get you to church. It isn't to get you in front of a band. It isn't to get you to listen to me. It isn't to get you drinking our coffee. Our desire to get you to church is to get into the presence of the Lord. That's, that's our bullseye. That's our center shot. Are you getting into the presence of the Lord? And we can't do it for you. Like a, a doorman can't force somebody to come into whatever establishment they're working for. You have to choose to do it, and we do it by faith. We step into this by faith. We trust that the Lord is going to show up and that he is going to minister to the very things that are going on in our life. You can actually keep 11.6 up if you'd like to, Carrie. Isn't Carrie awesome? Don't you just love Carrie? She's like, don't you ever say that again, Pastor. We'll slime you next summer. It's going to happen, VBS. <laughs> that was the best smile. Oh, I think she liked it. I'm not sure. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. So uh, without faith, it's impossible to please God. How do we please God? By faith. If you really want to please the Lord, do it by faith. Like it's greater than sacrifice. You, like you could come in and give $2,000, but if he didn't tell you to do it, if you weren't doing it by faith, if you were just doing, oh, I, I, want, to, I want to get favor with the Lord, that's not how favor with the Lord works. He already favors you. His favor is all about you. It's impossible to please God apart from faith because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. Oh, man. And that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Doesn't it seem like there is an agenda by the world and by the enemy that's trying to just say, oh, he doesn't exist. He's not true. 
oh, the, those, those Christians, those people of faith, they're, they're just emotional. But the truth is, we probably all are emotional. He gave us all emotions, right? Praise the Lord. Life, wouldn't life be boring without emotions? Even the most stoic person in this room is emotional. He gave us emotions. We're not meant to let our emotions lead us, right? It's the spirit that's within us that needs to connect with the Holy Spirit. But he gave us emotions. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. So here's my question to you. What are your beliefs? Your beliefs will guide and direct how you choose to respond to things. If you believe that God is good, then even in a hard situation, you're going to believe that God is good. That he's going to make a way somehow, some way. This seems overwhelming. Oh, there's this fee five full fum. There's a big giant and everyone else in the army is scared of him. David, what are we going to do? Well, I know that God's good. I know that he's going to be able to, he's going to help. He's going to show up. So he was able to step into that battle. And what happened? That stone, it hit him in the forehead and the head was chopped off. The giant came down. And victory, not just for David, but victory for the whole nation. It's fun. When we learned how to, by faith, step into things, the victory that we experience in that encounter isn't just for us. There's others that are impacted by it. So whoever... Uh, who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. It's not just to believe that he exists, but it's to believe that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I love this verse because it comes against the dead-end spirit behind dead-end religion. It's religion, it says, let's come together and do our rituals, we'll do our traditions, We'll be a good boy, a good girl. We'll worship for an hour and then we'll go home and we'll just go on and do our own life uh, apart from the Lord. And then next Sunday we'll come back together and we'll do our religion again. But here he's actually saying that he rewards those who seek him. Not seek tradition, not seek rituals, but actually seek a relationship with him. And he wants to reward, like he's got rewards set aside. He's just waiting for us. He's hoping that we'll actually believe that he wants to reward us as we earnestly seek him. We don't do it for the reward, right? One of the greatest rewards that we have in seeking him is actually to find him, to experience him. I hope you're anything like me. One of the greatest ways to experience counsel and healing and deliverance and empowerment is by being in his presence. He does it best. He does it best. So one of the benefits of seeking him in hardship or heartache or disappointment is that we actually get to find him. And in his presence, the psalm says, in his presence, there's fullness of joy. Not just like a little stipend of joy. You know, have any of you ever had like the fullness of joy? Isn't it amazing? Like you just feel like it's, I had a, a there was a, a men's retreat I was a part of. This was so fun. Uh, it was a diverse group of, of men. There was, uh, there was uh, the joy of the Lord was in that place. And there were many that were just experienced such good laughter. And it wasn't disrespectful. It wasn't rude. It was, it was, it was done in, in such a way where it was really, but people would actually walk by these people that were experiencing the joy of the Lord. And then they would start to experience the joy of the Lord. They in turn would also start to laugh. They would have this joy. And, uh, the next day, I, I, was, I was a part of that group. 
the next day, this gentleman came up to me. He's like, hey, I've been a, a drug addict. I'm, I'm in recovery. Jesus has set me free, praise God. But I've been, I've been a drug addict uh, for more than 10 years. What I just experienced, was that the Lord? What I experienced last night? I'm like, yes, yes it is. He's like, that was better than any high I've ever had from drugs or from alcohol. That was, the, that was so cool. I didn't even know that was, I didn't know. Which isn't that how the enemy works. He takes what God can give us and he twists it and he'll pervert it, right? But he was like, that was better than any high I've had because of drugs or alcohol. That was amazing. Uh, there's something about that. There's, uh, as we seek him out, he, like a good father, is wanting to reward us. But do we have a hunger for his presence? Do we even know his voice? How many of you, when you were reading John 10, were you, did you ever wrestle with the verse that says, my sheep will know my voice? And when I was in, uh, when I was going to church, but not active in a relationship with God, I didn't understand that. That made no sense to me. Because my understanding of, of church was, they were just like, it was like a good history report. We would hear about what the Lord had done. We would sing hymns, like we would sing the four part. We knew that God was really present when all the four parts were getting hit, right? Um, like Amanda and I, we, yeah, we were there, right? So there is that... Um, I didn't realize that he actually wanted to speak to me. Do you know that? That the Lord wants to speak to you? Did you know that, yes, he sees you, but he also wants you to see him? That he wants to be with you? That he doesn't want to be just be the hand that protects or provides or, or watches over or all of those. He actually wants, he wants you to know his face. He wants you to know his heart. That's his desire. That's why Jesus came, right? I love how Jesus, in what John 14, 6, he had said, uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus made a way for us to be able to meet with the Father face to face and heart to heart, to have this place. That's why in Hebrews it says that we can actually approach the throne of the Lord with confidence. That we don't, ooh. I'm not worthy. Uh, you know, and, I, and I understand. Let's worship the Lord. But there's this mindset that we can be given over to. He actually loves it when we enter in his presence. He loves it when we want to be with him. That we approach his throne with confidence. But sometimes we don't know his voice. Like I think of the, there's many, the Lord was showing me, there's people in this room that need to know that uh, he wants to speak to you. Like Samuel, when he was dedicated to the Lord, he then became, he went into the, the temple, he was with Israel, uh, he, uh, Eli was his high priest, he was learning all about what it was to do the religion of uh, the church, but they didn't know about his voice. So if you remember the story, in the middle of the night, the Lord was actually calling to Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel got up. He thought it was Eli because he didn't know the voice. He didn't know that God wanted to speak to him. So he ran to Eli. And he's like, hey, you woke me up. And Eli's, what are you doing here? I'm tired. Go back to bed. And it happens three or four times. And then finally, Eli, he's like, wait a minute. Samuel, the Lord is calling to you. And he didn't know. He didn't know. He could hear the voice, but he didn't know. The Lord is speaking to everyone in this room. Do you know his voice? So Eli gave him just simple instruction. He'd said, so when the Lord calls to you, just say, yes, Lord, here I am. What do you want to say? And he did. 
And it opened up this amazing, the beauty of Samuel, if you look at your history of the Bible, I love Samuel. Samuel was the last of the judges and the first of the prophets. He got to be two people. And why? Because he got to know the Lord intimately. He knew the Lord. Like even when he was retiring, uh, he'd asked the, the people of Israel, have I, have I let you down? Have I disappointed you? Have I done anything wrong? And they were like, no, not a thing. And because he lived in such righteousness. But it's, there's such a beauty of being able to actually know the Lord. Even Moses, you remember Moses' story? Moses, he sees the burning bush happening in a distance. The bush is on fire, but it's not being consumed. Isn't that wild? Wouldn't you be drawn to that? Can you picture that? What's that? What? There's a, but it doesn't seem like it's actually being consumed. And then he, Moses, and they, what is it that he hears the Lord calls out to him? Take off your sandals, you're standing on holy ground. To get his attention. And say, hey son, hey daughter, I'm here to meet with you. And even in that, you remember how Moses was so given over to fear and to worry? He, he, didn't, he couldn't see who he was. He didn't know. He, his identity was lost. He was on the run for so long that he forgot who he was. And in that moment, God in his grace had said, sure, yep, I'll let your brother, your brother's coming to you right now. I'll let him be your mouthpiece. But you're the one that I want. And eventually, we see how Moses ends up meeting with the Lord in such a way, face-to-face, heart-to-heart, that his whole continent's changed. And the people of the nation, I think everyone, God had invited everyone in that nation to be able to experience that, but he was the only one that would step into it. They actually asked him to, to wear a veil because it was overwhelming to them. The glory of God and how he would meet with God. It doesn't that sound awesome? I've seen that happen. One of my favorite ministries to be a part of is Trace Dias. It's a discipleship weekend. It's a three-day weekend, meaning three days, Trace Dias, right? But on the weekend, there's people that come in looking this way, and they end up going looking this way, uh, totally different. Uh, you wouldn't even see, you wouldn't even think it's the same person. And it's not because we're really good at plastic surgery. Yeah, that has nothing to do with it. They got a faith lift. There's something that happened in that weekend where what had been bondage, they were set free. How many of you love freedom? The way God can move in such free way, freeing ways. Oh, to be able to experience that freedom. That's what the Lord has available for you and for me right now, right here. But it's being able to get into his presence. And he's calling all of us. I love it. It's, a, it's his loving kindness. And what is it that leads us to repentance? It's his loving kindness. Even right now, he's, he's got loving kindness that he's reaching out to you. An opportunity to repent. Opportunity. See, the desire of his heart is that we would be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. If you're just, what, what's the Father's desire for me? That I would be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. That's what we read in James. Mature and complete. Jesus, when he was talking about how we deal with uh, our enemies... You remember he had said, bless them, bless those who persecute you, pray for them. And then he had said, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. That word for perfect is the same meaning as be mature, be complete. There's something about maturing and being complete. And the only way we really can do that is by getting in his presence. The beauty of doing Bible studies, the beauty of BSF, the beauty of of, uh, recovery groups, the beauty of all these different things, they get us one step closer into his presence. 
But the truth is, is you can have his presence wherever you're at. His presence, yes, it's right here, right now. But his presence is also at home. His presence is in the car. Are you stewarding his presence? Like, that's an active thing. It's not a just, oh, there's people at church that do it for me. You're the chosen royal priests. You're the priesthood of believers. Are you stewarding his presence in your life, in your lifestyle? The things that you do, the things that you choose to do, the things that maybe you shouldn't be doing. Are you stewarding his presence? Are you making space for him? Are you hungering for him? Even as we were, Chesla and I had a chance to drive out to South Dakota and back. We left on Friday. We came back on, on Saturday. She was reading her book as I was driving. And I started singing hymns and songs that, that mean a lot to me. And then I started just singing a, a, a new song in my heart to him. And she had said, well, there are some songs that you're singing that I know, and there's a bunch of things that you're singing that I have no idea what that was. But I love stewarding the presence of the Lord. Like I'll often sing in my office, or when I'm walking down the hallways, or even sometimes as silly as worshiping him in the bathroom. I love to sing to the Lord. I love to steward his presence. I love him. How do you do that in your life? What does that look like? How do you steward his presence? What are the things that you crave? If you remember the scripture that we started with, Psalm 63. Can we turn there? Psalm 63. In verse 1, it says, You, God, are my God. Is that a statement that's true to you? And we're meeting on a Sunday. There's a whole bunch of uh, athletes that get together wearing tight clothes that run around chasing a, a weird-shaped ball that a lot of people worship, that I think make that their God. There's other things that we can choose to worship as our God. It Maybe it's our savings account or our retirement fund. Maybe uh, we worship uh, a political party. Maybe we worship... You fill in the blank. What do you allow to consume your thoughts? And that's one thing that I love about Financial Peace University. Dave Ramsey will often say, you show me your checkbook, I'll tell you what's a priority in your life. I think that's true. You show me your thought life. What is it that you're thinking about? And I'll tell you who your God is. Here, King David, he says, you, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. Oh, does he say, so on Sundays, I'll come... I'll come to the weird shaped building and I'll and I'll I'll listen to whatever they know. Uh, oh, you God or my God? So like maybe Monday morning as well. I'll, I'll seek you. No, he's he's saying earnestly. I seek you. I thirst for you. Is that true of your life? Do you thirst for the Lord? I thirst for you. See, there's a there's something beautiful. There's a world that's desperate outside these windows. They're desperate. There's people that are actually losing their life to suicidal thoughts. There's a desperation that's happening outside these windows. There's something about when we're able to show them what it's like to live a lifestyle of desperation for him, of thirsting for him, that we can point them to that. They can find such hope. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. 
in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Well, first, that's hard. I know everyone in this room has experienced that dry and parched land. Have you experienced it in your life? If you've been in that spot where, boy, this is dry, this is hard. I feel like I'm in the desert. This, and I, it doesn't seem like there's any end to this desert. Verse 2, I have seen you in the sanctuary. I have beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. And what does he then say? And I will praise you as long as I live. Hmm. In your name, I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Hebrews 11.6, right? It says that he rewards those who earnestly seek us. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. Jesus fasting for 40 days. And Jesus had said that man does not live by bread alone, but by the very words that come from the mouth of God. To be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods, with singing my lips, with singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Oh, Lord, we thank you. Hmm. I want to invite Pastor Adam up. Uh, a part of why we emphasize worship here the way we do is that we realize that one of the easiest ways to get into the presence of the Lord is worship. There's something about his presence. To be able to meet in his presence. It's almost like it can become, when we're overwhelmed, it can become like a hiding place. That we wouldn't be hidden in drug or alcohol or uh, power or possession, but that we would be able to be hidden in him. As if it's uh, in scripture, it talks about how he puts his wing around us and he pulls us in. When we hunger for him and go to that place of presence, he becomes our hiding place. When we're in the spot where there's accusations that are coming at us, because the world likes to accuse. Our enemy likes to, he's actually known as the accuser of the brethren. He loves to use accusation. Do we get to that spot and respond uh, back with accusation? No, we, we actually stay in that place of his presence. That's one thing that I love about uh, even these heroes of the faith that accusations even to the place of death. Like Diedrich Bonhoeffer, uh, he was accused and he was found guilty and the Nazis, they killed him before, uh, before they lost power, lost their, their reign. His jail keeper, the very person that executed him, it said that he was so overwhelmed with the way the Lord shown himself through Diedrich Bonhoeffer. Is that true of you and me? Do we know his presence so much so that even in place of opposition or accusation that people see Jesus in us? There's something about learning how to steward his presence, about letting the Lord, hungering for the Lord. What is it that you're hungering for? Are you hungering for him? Are you hungering to meet with him? 
we step into this time. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you're a good God and that you really care for us. And we thank you, Lord, for how your presence is available to us at all times, whether we're in a jail cell or we're freely moving about. Your presence is available to us when we're at our very best and when we're at our very worst. Your presence is there when uh, we have much or we have little. Your presence is there. Hmm. You're so faithful. It's available to us. It can become our hiding place when we're overwhelmed. It can become like a springboard. Uh, Your joy, the joy of the Lord, it's our strength. And in your presence, O Lord, there's fullness of joy. It can be the very thing in your presence. We can be set free from thoughts or mindsets or even oppression. Jesus, you came to set us free. So when we're in your presence, the captive is made free. It's in your presence, O Lord. When we are are going through the hurts, whether it be physically or emotionally, it's in your presence that we're healed. We experience healing in your presence. You are the God who heals us. It's in your presence, Lord, that uh, you are that Jehovah Jireh. You provide for us. Not just a financial provision, but you also provide for our spiritual needs. Oh, you know our needs and you provide for us. You say that those who seek you earnestly will be rewarded. Lord, we choose to earnestly seek you right now. Well, forgive us. Would you please forgive us for the times that we've been so lazy in our faith. We've been a couch potato in our faith. We've become complacent or lethargic or that those days are gone. We choose to earnestly seek you to be in your presence. Oh Lord, forgive us. Restore us and put a right spirit within us. Oh, that we would worship you. You are the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. You're the God that's right here with us in the middle. You're holding everything together. You are God Almighty, the Lord that has the whole universe in his hands. And yet you're also El Elohim. You're the one who sees us. You know us. Lord, we choose to step into your presence to see you and to know you. I, John, the beloved when the 12 were with you in the upper room and you were having the last supper with them. John was able to lean in. He rested his heart, or he rested his head on your heart, your chest, Jesus. I just think of that. In your presence, we get to hear that sweet cadence of grace, that heartbeat of heaven. So we welcome you, Lord. Even the one in this room that has had the hardest of hearts, and maybe it's because they've faced so many uh, overwhelming obstacles. Lord, would your presence, would you come minister to them? But more than just the benefits of your presence, Lord, we hunger for you. Like Moses was able to meet with you face to face and heart to heart like a friend. Oh, Lord. 
we hear that invitation. Samuel was able to hear your voice and he turned to you and he, he came to you, Lord. We, like Samuel, we say, yes, here I am. What do you want to say? What is it that you have for me? Oh, we thank you, Lord. Oh, we love you. Ah, oh, we love you. Thank you, Lord. Oh, he's so good. Hmm. We pray this in Jesus' name. I was overwhelmed. Um, this week I was at a pastor's get-together, and uh, the main speaker, he was a twins chaplain, the Minnesota twins chaplain for 12 years. He'd said that he was with a, another twin, a, a pitching prospect. They were at Fort Myers. It was spring training. And this, this pitching prospect had said, uh, I think there's somebody here that the Lord has, has pointed out. We just need to see him. We'll, we'll know. So they were kind of scanning the room. Do you ever have that moment where you, you're out and about and they were scanning the room like, Lord, who is it that invited the presence of the Lord into that place? into that place of food. And Lord, show us, may we see what you're seeing. And they saw this, it was their waitress. Uh, their waitress, of all the people that were there, the waitress, uh, she had, had, had done a great job. And then she was about to go on break. So she actually went on break. Somebody else finished. They got up and they're like, we're not done because the presence of the Lord is here. And he's showing us this one person. They, uh, they actually sought her out. They went to the break room and they had said, thank you for being so good to us. But this is what the Lord was showing us. We love the Lord and we believe the Lord loves you. And they started sharing and she's like, I, I, for 10 years I've been so distant from God. Something happened and I, I thought that he didn't care about me. So I just put up walls and I didn't let him into my life. But I believe that today's a day for me. Would you please lead me in that prayer? And they let him, could you imagine in the break room at this restaurant, a twins prospect, this chaplain for the twins, they're hanging out and she says yes to the Lord. And, and he, uh, she prays this prayer and then all of a sudden they hear this gasp. See, her daughter also worked there. Her daughter realized what was going on. Her daughter comes running in, throws her arms around mom and says, I have been praying for this for 10 years that you would come back to the Lord. The presence of the Lord showed up in the break room at this restaurant. And God, in his grace, was healing, restoring, making things right. And that's what we carry. See, the veil was torn. They thought the presence of the Lord was the Holy of Holies. And when Jesus was crucified on the cross, the veil was torn. And, and where is the presence of the Lord now? It's not in a church building. It's in you. We become. So this is the Ark of the Covenant. Say hello, Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> where the, we carry the presence. What are we doing with it? Some of the royal priests or some of the priesthood, of the priesthood in the Old Testament, they didn't steward that well. They didn't know what they had. Do you know what you have? His presence. Do you know the story of El Elohim? It's Hagar. It's Hagar in Genesis chapter 26. Hagar, she didn't even, it was outside of her control or influence. Uh, Hagar was chosen by Sarah 
to become the second wife to her husband so that she would have children because there was a prophetic word given that, that uh, Abraham would become the father of many nations, that as many as the stars in the sky, that that would be who Abraham would. So uh, Hagar, was, it wasn't even her choice. Sarah had said, this is my handmaid. She's now your wife. Uh, that prophecy will be fulfilled through her. Hagar ended up conceiving a child right away. She had Ishmael. And Sarah became very jealous. Sarah got to the spot where she hated Hagar with all that was in her. And Hagar then was forced to leave. And he, could you imagine loving and caring for your child that was born? And then you'd be at the spot where eventually the resources that were given you have run out and she realizes that they're dying. Death is like minutes away from both of them. So she sets Ishmael in the shade and she walks away because she doesn't have the heart to see her only child die. This child that wasn't even necessarily her choice to see this child die. So she walks away and God in his grace, he meets with her. And in her own words, she says, you are El Elohim. You're the God who sees me. You saw my hurt. You saw the heart that I have for my child and you cared for me. And the Lord, he, he not only saw her in that holy moment where his presence was there, uh, he was able to help them get back and they were able to move and thrive and move forward. And that's, there's something about beloved, his presence. What if we lived a life where we didn't have to wait until things got really bad and then just like the Hail Mary pass at the end, oh Lord, can you do something in this? What if our first response when something challenging happened is we went to the Lord? What if we invited his presence in right away? If that was the mindset, if that was the heart attitude. That's why we, we hunger for his presence. There's something about how he shows up in his presence. Hmm. All right, I, I, yeah, I gotta stop. Sorry. Maybe it's nice to have notes because then I can actually obey the time a little bit better. Would you receive this blessing as we close? Say, I believe that God, he wants to show you even more of his presence this next week. I believe that this is going to be a week that you experience his presence like never before. So may the God who sees you, the God who knows you, the God that's your healer, your provider, your protector, your savior, your friend, your father, may this be the week that you experience his presence like never before that his wraparound presence would be with you, his favor, his abundance, his peace, that no attack from the enemy would be able to pull you out of that place of presence, but that from that place of presence, you'd be able to minister and live and love and care, that you do that with him as your peace, as your abundance. Bless you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Be blessed and be a blessing. Love you guys. We pray that you received encouragement and impartation as you heard this word today. Connect with us on Facebook and at newday-church.org. Thanks again for listening to this message.